Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Hi, I'm Linda Ellerby. I was diagnosed with breast cancer 11 years ago, and I know how scary it can be. Everything your doctor says sounds like a foreign language. her to new oncogene, ductal carcinoma in situ. What do these words mean? How can you decide what to do if you can't even say what you have? Go to breastcancer.org, a special place on the Internet where you can learn how to say those words and find out what they mean. Breastcancer.org, the first place to go the minute you find out you have breast cancer. Good morning, good morning, and welcome to Saturday Mornings with Joy Keyes. I'm your host, Joy Keyes, and I want to thank you so much for tuning in. You can follow me on twitter.com slash joykeyes. And you can become a fan on Facebook. Just look me up, Saturday Mornings with Joy Keys. And now I'm on Instagram. Yes, lots of great pictures. You can tag me in a photo. You might win a prize. The other day somebody won a book. I give away movie tickets, restaurant gift cards, all types of cool things. So I encourage you to tag me or follow on Twitter or become a fan on Facebook. Uh, I want to say thank you to all the listeners. I am so honored and blessed that you really want to listen to my voice more than a million times now. We've had more than a million downloads of the podcast at this moment. So I just want to say thank you for tuning in and listening. I hope you have enjoyed them, the shows, and shared them with friends and family. Well, this month is Breastfeeding Awareness Month. Uh, I thought that was a very important topic, and I thought a lot of people have myths around breastfeeding that I think we should try to break today. I breastfed my daughter, um, and she turned out pretty good, I think. (laughs) Uh, I'm sure I had something to do with breastfeeding, I hope at least. Um, And uh, I have some experts on the line because I don't know everything about breastfeeding, and that was 20 years ago that I breastfed, so I'm sure a lot of new information has come about. Um, One of my guests, her name is Dr. Susan Vershalik, Um, She's the Associate Professor uh, of Clinical Pediatrics at New York University of Medicine. Uh, Good morning, Dr. Vershalik. Good morning. Thanks for inviting me. I also want to mention that she's the uh, chairperson um, of the New York State Breastfeeding Coalition. Uh, That's another one of her many titles that she has. And also another guest we have on the line is Karen Hilton-McGuire. She's a neonatal intensive care nurse. She's been that for over 35 years. Uh, Good morning, Karen. Good morning. Thank you for having us. Um, Thank you so much for being on the show. She's also on the board of the New York State Breastfeeding Coalition, and she is pursuing her Ph.D., uh, and uh, so you're a busy woman then. Yes. I am. <laughs> you said yes. <laughs> Very good one. Pursuing your PhD is serious work. I think you're, you can uh, you can be like yes. I am busy. <laughs> um, well, today I think this is a really important topic. As I mentioned, there are a lot of myths around breastfeeding. Uh, let's start with Dr. Vershalik. Um, who can and cannot breastfeed? Let's talk about that. Well. 
and again, that's an important question because, as you said, there are many myths around it. Um, the majority of women who are healthy can breastfeed. Um, there are very, there are a few uh, what we call medical contraindications, but they're pretty few. Um, in the United States, uh, um, a mother with HIV is, you know, it is recommended that she not breastfeed. Um, a mother with um, something called um, HTLV, human T cell lymphoma virus, which is um, can be transmitted through the milk, but is quite 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 rare in this country, are recommended not to breastfeed. And a few um, a mothers taking a very few medications, for example, um, um, things like chemotherapy or, you know, drugs that actually affect um, cell metabolism for the most part. Um, you know, right. again, you know, we look these up, we check, always check on an individual basis, but, but those are the majority. Um, and, and then uh, mother, anyone using um, illicit drugs as well because, you know, again, you never know what's, what's in there, dose, things like that. So, so those are the, what we would call the, the real medical restrictions. Um, in addition, you know, there are many, many situations where, where moms need extra help because for um, medical and physical reasons, that, you know, maternal reasons, um, sometimes um, infants with um, challenges, uh, prematurity, malformations, um, you know, muscular uh, disorders, but, 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 but not real, you know, as I said, contraindications. Um, occasionally if a mother needs um, radiation for something, she, she, she needs to interrupt breastfeeding, for example, but doesn't really need to stop. So there are many situations wow. mm -hmm. that require extra help. Um, but, but they're very, very few. few women they're who, very few. They're very few. I mean, basically, yeah. Now, now Karen, in your experience, um, how does a woman start? What's one of the most difficult things uh, that you hear from women? Like, is it fear? Is it fear of pain? Is it that they don't think the baby will latch on? What are you hearing when you're in the hospital from women who just begin to breastfeed? Well, one of the number one reasons why women are stop or discontinue breastfeeding is because they feel that they don't have enough milk or it's, it's in, um, perceived not enough milk, which is not correct. Most women, 98% of women, make enough milk to feed their babies, but women have that fear. So we have to educate them to overcome those fears and to support them throughout their breastfeeding experience. And now, how, there's a term, go ahead, Dr. So often, I mean, I, just to clarify, I mean, there are, you know, I'm, when you, I mentioned the, you know, the real medical contraindications, um, there are, you know, some women who um, have delays in, for example, their milk, you know, coming in, we, we call it lactogenesis mm -hmm. too, but a little delays, there are some who have difficulty, as I said, for various reasons in getting started so and there are a few conditions associated with with low milk supply but that, again a, a small minority of the mothers who attempt but I agree with Karen and certainly um, uh, for many of our moms one big issue is, is, is just lack of confidence and you know, we really need to help them um, you know get off to a good start and, and have you know confidence in themselves too so mm. 
Now, Karen, when you're in the hospital, how can the nurses support the moms? I mean, can they show them? There's a term, many people who may not have kids or never breastfed, like a latch. Can you explain the idea of the child latching onto the breast and is there a correct way to do that? You know, how how can the hospital or nurses help the, the mother and the child, you know, connect? Well, you know, one of the most important connections that a mother can make with her baby is after she delivers. And after she delivers, it is the, the most important time to put that baby skin to skin. And when the baby goes skin to skin, they learn. And they don't go through nine different steps and stages in order to latch onto the breast. In my experience, if a baby latches to the breast within, you know, within that hour, the breastfeeding mm-hmm. experience continues and is wonderful. The other thing that a mother can do is keep her baby with her because she needs to look and see and learn all the cues that the baby is giving to her. When she's with the baby, she then learns that, and the baby and she become one. Now, Dr. Versalik, in terms of um, breast milk, you know, there are a lot of working women, and they need to pump. Is it better to manually pump, or is it an electric machine, or does it matter? Um, you know, I think it, it varies. It really varies from person to person. Um, it, you know, in this country, we do tend to go the electric pump route, but... Um, um, many many moms can be very successful with manual expression once they learn the technique. Um, so I, you know, either way is fine. Whatever works for her. Um, but what's again, what's been shown quite clearly, particularly in moms who who are expressing milk for premature infants or, or, or infants who are ill who can't um, directly go to the breast yet. Um, you know, so moms who are truly pump dependent is that um, you know probably the combination of uh, there's a technique combining manual expression and pumping, um, which produces the most milk for, um, you know, premature babies and babies who are who are ill. So, um, you know, as I said, what's it, it it really depends on the mom. But it's important to teach them both techniques. Every mom should know how to manually express um, milk. Um, it, it's just very important in a, um, you know, if if she can. Can't get use her electric pump if uh, oh definitely um, trust me because you'll hurt. <laughs> I, right. I I had to do you know both and I you know fortunately I was able to stay home with my daughter for uh, uh, about six months and then I kind of went part time. Uh, but I, I think I breastfed her for about a year, maybe a little more, but that's that's about it. But no no being able or not being uh, I guess being comfortable with manually breast uh, you know pumping the milk. Um, is is important because I think it comes to the issue of women being comfortable with their bodies, and many women uh, still this day and age don't learn about their bodies. That's one thing. And two, many women are not taught to, uh, I guess, explore their body and be comfortable touching their body. And so that issue of manually breastfeeding, I think I agree with you, Dr. Vershalik, it's so important. Now, Karen, how can they store this milk? How long can it last? Like you were mentioning their baby who, you know, maybe in the NICU and can't get to the mom right away. Uh, how long can they store? Can they freeze it? Uh, can they keep it just in the refrigerator? Talk about that a little bit. Sure. Um, in the NICU, we actually like to have the milk as fresh as possible. So fresh pumped milk is the best. It can stay on the counter for up to four hours. Then um, we would put it in the refrigerator 
there are different, in the literature, there are different times, but in the hospital we use four days that it can stay in the refrigerator. And then after that, we use four months in the freezer. Um, although there are, for home use, extended periods of time for that. So mm-hmm. there's all various ways that a mom can store her milk. Now, Dr. Lushalik, you know, there's this whole, oh, the baby's breastfeeding and it's a wonderful experience for the mother and the child. That is true. But being someone who is breastfed, sometimes there are issues that arise. For example, sometimes you get um, clogs and um, also you're, you may be sore. The, the child starts to develop, you know, teeth. How, how can the woman deal with some of these challenges? Um, can you talk about that in terms of, like, maybe warm compresses or uh, when it, what, what point should she go to the doctor to get checked out, uh, depending on the challenge? Could you talk about that a little bit? Sure, sure. Um, I, again, I think, the, as we've kind of mentioned, the biggest challenge is, is getting off to a good start. But then there can be little bumps along the road. And, um, um, you know, again, babies, you know, human babies, um, you know, for human babies, breastfeeding is hardwired in their brain at birth. It's instinctive. Um, but they need to be, as Karen said, in the right place with their mother in order to bring out that behavior. Um, but, but So once they've left the hospital, um, again, providers, you know, the, the doctors, nurses, lactation consultants, um, dietitians who, who provide care to these moms and babies um, need mm-hmm. to know what to expect at different times. And we need to, again, you know, give anticipatory guidance to the moms and, and, and be available if they do experience a, a problem. So you mentioned um, plugging, yeah. So something called plug ducts. I'm, again, as the um, milk supply is developing, um, uh, you know, for the first few weeks, moms tend to feel um, uh, a fullness between feeds. Um, as, yeah. as the, as the um, you know, as, again, as the milk, you know, a certain amount of milk will build up between feeds and then more is produced as the baby feeds. And it's, mm-hmm. you know, the baby's feeding at the breast that tells the brain, you know, to make more milk. So it's important to, um, again, to get up to a right start and then, as Karen said, re- respond to the baby's cues. But sometimes um, there, there are bumps. And plug ducts refers to, you know, some of the milk ducts that deliver the milk, um, you know, out, you know, toward the nipple and to the baby sometimes can get right. a little plug. So, again, that's usually something that happens in the first couple of weeks. Uh, so we need to... Again, explain, this might happen, explain to, to, to moms what to do. Again, usually a little warm, uh, warm compress, a little massage toward the breast, and then feeding in, in different positions, you know, changing the baby's position a little, will take care of that. Um, but if that's not successful, successful, they need to have a provider they can speak with because if, um, if it's not resolved, um, plug ducts can lead to bigger problems like mastitis, which would be an infection, um, and uh, or severe engorgement, which is you know a severe um, you know fullness and, and real pain. Yeah, you don't want that. Yeah, you don't no, want you that. Don't want that. <laughs> no, yeah, definitely. Okay. And then the oh. other. Okay. No, then the other thing again, just early, you know, around five six weeks, um, most uh, mothers experience a real softening of their breasts, and uh, even if they're breastfeeding you know, very well, and some moms interpret that as, as oh, I'm, I, my milk supply is, you know, is decreased, Low and it's not, mm-hmm. it's just the body adjusting 
And again, so if you can explain that to them ahead of time, you know, so in the, you know, let's say at the one month visit with the baby, um, you know, so in the next few weeks, this, you know, you'll experience the softening. Don't worry. It's normal. It's just your body adjusting. You know, they get through it. Right. So it's a combination of both the anticipatory guidance and then being there if they do have an issue. So you can get, you know, get it addressed right away. I think it's um, just, like I said, these myths about breastfeeding, um, and I'm glad you mentioned about the softening of the breast. And also I think in America we have this idea of everything, the bigger, better. So, it's, it's, you, know, you, you know, you're seeing this like you want this big, fat, you know, baby. Uh, you know, like when you go to get a small at the restaurant, it's really a large. It's like 24 ounces. That's the small. You know, so you're looking and the baby's feeding and you're thinking, that's not 24 ounces. You know, you're, you're in your mind, you know, you're saying all these things. But I think also the key is, is the baby healthy when they go for their checkups? You know, you're feeling good, the baby's feeling good. All those types of things need to be taken into account uh, instead of it's not 36 ounces or whatever. You know what I mean? Um, so that's important. Uh, Karen, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about fathers because sometimes fathers can be uh, felt left out. You know, they're like watching from the outer ring. What can fathers do to help with this breastfeeding? Can they feed the baby breast milk uh, from the bottle? Uh, somebody was mentioning maybe not from a bottle, using a cup. Uh, I, I did a Twitter chat on Thursday. Can you talk to me a little bit maybe about your opinion about that? I love fathers. I think fathers are the best thing ever because what fathers <laughs> really do, what fathers really do is it's mom and baby, but it's fathers that um, support them because without them, moms don't do very well. All right, so what fathers can really do is support mom. Mom and baby feed, and for the first month or so, it's a really good idea for um, moms to just breastfeed her baby because then she's making a breast milk supply. All right, up to the first month or so, then, you know, if they want to have alternative feedings, that's okay. But dads really need to have moms feed and then they can do everything else. What dads really can do is ward off a lot of visitors and a lot of things that distract mom from being able to be with her baby and to learn her baby's cues and to get her rest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you get very tired. I know I, I, I really, like when I was breastfeeding, I definitely felt tired. Not like exhausted. I mean, as long as I ate properly and everything, but you do feel tired um, and and you need to be relaxed. When you're stressed and tense, the baby, I think, feels that tension and they get antsy and, you know, maybe looking, wandering around uh, at other things and not focusing on eating when they need to be eating. Um, but Dr. Prashalik, were you about to say something? Oh, no, no, just agree. No, yes, exactly right. Dads can also, if you know, when moms need to rest, dads can also... Uh, cuddle with those babies, skin to skin. It's good for fathers mm-hmm. and good for babies. It's a good way to bond as well. Yeah, yeah I think that's the attachment. Go ahead, sorry, Karen. Sorry, actually, when you, get, when you breastfeed, one of the things that happens is you get sleepy. That's normal. And the reason mm-hmm. why you get sleepy is because you're supposed to go to bed and sleep when the baby sleeps because then you get yes. your rest. And so it's I always the body natural <laughs> way. Yeah, it's your body's natural way of protecting itself and and being able to produce milk and for you and, and the baby to, you know, be in sync. Now, Dr. Bashalik, um, we talked a lot about, I guess, um, uh, micro issues here, but let's talk about some macro issues that women have to deal with when they're breastfeeding. For example, work. 
Um, what have you heard from your patients in terms of issues they have to deal with at work, and how can maybe physicians in writing notes or, I don't know, how can the medical community support women who are working and um, you know, talk to their employers, you know what I mean, in terms of FMLA or making a lactation station or something like that? Can you talk to that issue? Sure. I, this is This is a huge, huge issue for so many of our moms. So, Again, as a healthcare provider, um, you know, from the beginning, it's important for us to ask moms what their goals are as far as breastfeeding goes. And we know what the recommendations mm-hmm. are. We know what we would do in the ideal world. I love it. You know, you said you had six months home with your baby and then part-time. Ah, I wish, I wish everyone could have that. I, wish, I, I think one of the most important things we can do on a really macro level is um, provide paid leave, um, oh, you know, paid family leave. Yes. Some, some states, I mean, notably New Jersey and California, and there may be some others, do have um, uh, some paid family leave related to their uh, <coughs> um, temporary disability funds. And, and New York, where, where I live, has uh, had a number of bills that ha- have not succeeded yet, but we're working on it. So, I mean, number one, I, I think if moms – I mean, yes, there's unpaid leave, you know, 12 weeks of unpaid leave is guaranteed through, um, you know, federal law, but that law is 21 years old. Um, And, and, you know, the next, that was supposed to be the initial step in establishing paid leave. So that, I I think, if everyone had, and we're one of the very few countries, really the only developed countries in the world that doesn't provide any paid leave. So if my, I, I think that would be, if, if I could change anything, with my magic wand, well, I would immediate skin-to-skin in the delivery room, number one, and number two would be paid family leave for everybody. <laughs> I, think, I think those were the, would be the two things. Um, but, so, but we don't have that. So I always say we yeah. don't live in an ideal world. Um, and when I teach my residents and students and, and when I deal with moms, I do the same thing. So what are your plans? What are your goals? And then we need to check in with them because we know goals and plans change. Um, mm-hmm. So she may, and, and I think, we, and we try to work with them individually to breastfeed exclusively for as long as they can. For some, that's four weeks. For some, that's four months. For some, that's six months, like we recommend, you know, but it, it, it isn't going to work for everybody. And then, we, again, we work with them to, um, to try to help. This is a mom who can express milk at, at, at work. Um, and, again, you know, for moms who tend to work in, in the more corporate world, it, it, they can usually do it. Um, but for many of our moms who work in service industries, hourly workers, it's not always so easy. But, again, I've, yeah, worked, yeah. I've worked with moms, you know, who – um, clean houses, but can are able to express milk, you know, um, right, right. and do other sort of non-traditional things. Um, so, some moms can be helped to work out a plan to express milk, um, and and sometimes it, you know, it just isn't practical. So we help them breastfeed for as long and as much as they would like to, That's the key. and if they the key can. Right there. Yeah. And, and so you have to individualize it. Now, understand though, there are laws protecting. Um, women's right to break time, but they're not really well enforced and they're not really comprehensive. They don't cover all employers and all industries. I just wanted to mention the the Federal um, Office of Women's Health um, Mm -hmm. just put up on their website a wonderful, it's it's a toolkit, it's more or less directed at employers, um, but really, really 
good. It's it's good advice for moms too. It's really well done, and um, again, um, has lots of really real life practical uh, information and in suggestions, solutions for helping moms who work and helping Dr. Fershaw, I'm sorry to cut you off. We're just running close to time. I wanted to bring Karen in to the conversation. Karen, we uh, at the Twitter chat on Thursday, we were discussing the issue of breastfeeding in the public. Um, can you talk to me about, I know New York has a wonderful situation, but can you talk about uh, any other campaigns across the country trying to fight that ability to uh, be able to breastfeed in the public, and, and why is that important? Well, most states have a law that uh, women can breastfeed in public, and regardless of whether they show their nipple or not. What's important about it is that it normalizes breastfeeding across the country. So when women breastfeed in public and we see them, we say, okay, this is the norm. We don't have to hide. We, you know, if a mother doesn't, you know, feels comfortable breastfeeding in public. And right, right. generally what, what the public should do is say thank you for breastfeeding. Because what she's yeah. doing is making a healthier, healthier society for all of us to live in. So we should all support mothers that breastfeed because it's good for everyone. I agree. I agree. Well, I want to thank both of you, uh, Dr. Vrshalik and Karen, for coming on this morning. I think we covered a lot of issues. Of course, we could spend another uh, half an hour, hour talking. There are so many issues surrounding breastfeeding. Um, but I want to thank you for sharing what your knowledge you had today. And uh, you mentioned about the Women's Health uh, website as a toolkit for um, employers. Also, um, La Leche, you know, is a great resource for uh, women to, to go to. And um, do you guys have a website for the uh, New York Coalition? Oh, for the Coalition? Sure. And, yes. yes. Um, it's um, NYS. Breastfeeding, org. Okay, nysbreastfeeding.org. Okay, so that's another great resource that people can go to. Uh, again, just trying to break all these myths. The baby, I breastfed my child for six months. She didn't eat any food until six months, and she was fine. She didn't have any problems. Nothing happened to her. So um, I encourage women out there, you know, to do what is comfortable for them, but don't be afraid uh, that you're not expressing enough milk. And if you think that, then go and check with your provider, and they can verify yes or no, because sometimes that could happen. But in a lot of rare cases, that's not the case. It's just maybe your breasts are changing, uh, like Dr. Rashalik mentioned, softening and things of that nature. Um, also, that Karen mentioned, there are a lot of laws protecting you in the public, so if you need to be in a restaurant and all of a sudden you need to feed your baby, you can feel comfortable that it's okay, yes, you're right to do that and um, not uh, worry. You know, you might get a little eye-looking, eye but, you know, you can go ahead and do it. Karen, Dr. Rochelle, thank you for coming on today. Thank, thank you, you for so having us. It's great. You guys have a wonderful Saturday. Thank you. You, you too. too. Enjoy your... Thank you so much. I want to thank the um, listeners for tuning in today, uh, taking the time to listen to the show. We had a great show, uh, two wonderful guests, uh, and uh, stay tuned for upcoming shows. Again, follow me at Joy Keys on Twitter. Uh, become a fan on Facebook. And also check me out on Instagram. I'm Saturdays with Joy Keys uh, on Instagram. And again, if you tag me or you follow, you might win a prize. Um, I just gave away a DVD the other day. Somebody uh, received a movie, Half of Yellow Sun. Uh, the other day somebody won a book of poetry. 
So again, I encourage you, you actually will get the prizes. It's not a scam. Um, thank you so much for tuning in, and you all have a wonderful Saturday. Bye-bye. 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 With Lucky Land Plus, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs> 